Tonight we're sharing, we're going we're to conclude this series we've called The Trinity. If you haven't made it any of the weeks that we've um, been speaking on the Trinity, I'm going to explain to you really quickly what it is. That the point of the series, at its foundation, I was right here, the point of the series, at its foundation, was for you, listen, for you, to know God a little more and to know and experience the relationship that he has intended for you with him. And what the Trinity means is it means three. That God has positioned himself in such a way that we get to experience him in three different ways. That he is God the Father that we talked about. Man, you may not have a good father and, and God is not like your father. But occasionally when your father is at his best, he's kind of like God. That God the Father is a perfect father who says, man, I know what you need. Would you cry out to me? I want to give you what you need when you need it. And then we also get to experience in Jesus, his God's son, that Jesus being fully man, yet also fully God, came to earth to die for us, to pay the price for the sin that separates us from God. And that we get to experience God through Jesus. And then lastly, what we're going to talk about tonight is this thing, the Holy Spirit, that we get to experience God through his spirit. And, and scriptures really paints a neat picture about what that looks like. Before we dive into that, I'm just going to pray for us. Here's what I believe, <clears throat> that when we pray, God hears it. When we pray, God acts on our behalf in his grace and in his mercy, not because we deserve anything, not because he's like, oh, I owe you one. You asked for it. I guess I'll give you this one. No, but because God is gracious and he's merciful with man. And he says, I love you. He says, would you cry out to me? And let me act on your behalf. And so we're going we're gonna to just talk to God for a minute, and then I'm going to dive in. God, we thank you so much <clears throat> for this time. We thank you for bringing us to this place. God, we thank you for your word, which speaks of truth that doesn't, um, that doesn't contradict itself. It speaks of truth, God, that doesn't get old as time passes. Lord, as, as old as the scripture is, it is still relevant today, and we see that, Lord, that it, you, your word says it's living and it's active, and so that when we would come to it, God, you've given us it, that it may do a work in our hearts. God, thank you for that. Thank you for your grace, and thank you for your mercy. God, thank you for your love. God, thank you for positioning yourself in a way that we might be able to experience you, God. Would we work to position ourselves to um, meet you in that, Lord, to join you in the ministry that you're doing. God, would you impact hearts and minds tonight? God, would you bring us into a deeper understanding of you and of the gifts that we have in you? God, would you use the community groups in that time together as well? We love you. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I'm going to show you a picture real quick. This is my daughter. Her name's Kennedy. Um, she was actually in the background. She's still back there. Uh, yeah. Um, she is three years old. Uh, that's Scout, my dog. Um, always up to give that dog away. So just know, let me know if you want him. Um, but Kennedy, she's not. She's not a giveawayer. She, I'm going to keep her. Um, she is like, like, just to give you her in a, in a couple words, She's full of life, and she seeks adventure. Like, she loves adventure. And people are like, aren't you worried about her? She has the most gorgeous blue eyes. And people are like, aren't you worried about, oh, man, those blue eyes are going to get in trouble. And, and I'm like, no, she's tougher than most high school guys I know right now. So I think it's going to be fine. I'm more, I'm more worried about bailing her out of jail for, like, punching a dude. Um, 
But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing about Kennedy. Because she seeks adventure, I started her out on the swing set real young, probably like one and a half, two years old. She's on a swing, and I'm swinging her, and she's yelling, too high, too high. And what Kennedy means by too high is you push her higher. Like she wants to go high enough, you know what I'm talking about, where the swing goes and you get that gap in the chain, and you hit that boom, and you come back down. Like that's where she wants to be all the time. Now, now here's the thing it, is I would love to watch other people push her because other people did not understand Kennedy's love for adventure and her still love for adventure. And so other people would begin to push Kennedy and she would start yelling, too high, too high. And I would always try to correct her, like, you mean higher? And she's like, no, too high. Like she wants to go higher. But when other people would push her, she would start yelling, too high, too high. And they would begin to slow her down. Well, the thing about Kennedy, she's also driven. And so if you begin to slow her down when she's yelling too high, she yells too high louder. And she can yell louder than you. Just, that's, I don't know how. It's like a God-given, I don't know, uh, ability. It's a superpower. And, and she would begin, and they would be so confused because they're like, you're going lower. And she's like, yeah, too high. And you're like, and they're like, so it's this battle of like, I'm trying to make you not go too high. And she's screaming it. And they're like so frustrated and I'm dying. Like I would never correct it. I would just crack up and watch the whole thing. And the reason I share that with you is sometimes how she was misunderstood. Listen to this. Sometimes the way that Kennedy was misunderstood, where she's like, I'm trying to communicate. I'm trying to tell you what I, what I want. And the other person's like, I don't get it. I don't know. I can't make you. I don't, I don't understand. It's sometimes the way that we feel in life. That... That I, that I bet if, if I asked you to raise your hand, you, a lot of you would raise your hand to this question. How many of you in life often feel misunderstood? That in life, how many of you often feel misunderstood? See, Kennedy was, is just an example of her like trying to figure out her words, but I think a lot of us have developed and come up in life where people you just are in here and you're like, man, I just don't feel understood by a lot of people. There's not a lot of places and a lot of things that, that, that where I can go where people, I feel like, man, they understand me. They get me. Here's, here's some questions you can ask yourself. A little measure. If you ask yourself if they only knew what I was thinking, like if you ask yourself that often, man, if they only knew what I was thinking, like no one knows what I, I was thinking. If they only knew what I was thinking, they would understand me. Or maybe you ask, like, if they only knew what I was feeling, if they only knew how I felt, like, no one knows truly how I feel. Like, like maybe you have, you're, you're the person that you've got a really intimidating face, and you're not, like, a natural, like, smiler. Like, my wife, when she, like, hangs out and is just, like, casual, she's, like, just naturally smiling. She's just standing there, right? Like, and she just all, and so people are always like, hey, like, ah, and she's much better at making friends because people just assume she's always happy. And so they like, she's always smiling. But some of you, you're not that. You're the natural frowner. And you're like, why does everyone keep getting scared of me? And it's because your face says, I'm going to punch you in your face. Y'all are like, yeah, I know that person right there. And then you're like, no, they're looking at me, right? So, but no one knows how you're feeling. Or lastly, maybe, maybe you say, man, if, if people only knew what I actually needed. But no one knows what I actually need. 
I got some needs. No one knows what I actually need. And in 2 Corinthians, it talks about this. Listen to the scripture. I don't know if you know this is in here. It says, for who knows a person's thoughts except his spirit within him? For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit within you? He's like, man, no one knows your thoughts as well as you do. No one knows who you are as well as you do. No one knows what you need as well as you do. No one understands you as well as you do. But then he says this. He says, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. And then he goes on. For any of you who have placed your faith in Jesus, you've come to a moment where you say, no, no, truly, um, whether I was 7 or 10 or 12 or yesterday, like truly where you said, man, I came to a place where I recognized my sin. I recognized who Jesus was. I recognized that I wanted God to be the Lord of my life, that I wanted to surrender my life to what Jesus had planned. And, and I'm following Jesus. Like if that's you in here, then this next part applies to you. He says <clears throat> that no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And now we have not received the spirit of the world, but listen, but the spirit that comes from God so that we may understand what has been freely given to us by God. He says, man, you should know this. No one knows the spirit uh, of you except you. No one knows what's in you except you. And he says, and no one knows the mind of God except the spirit of God. And God has given you his spirit. Verse 13, he says, so we also speak these things, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. That we have been given, listen, we have been given the Holy Spirit that we may understand and be understood. That no one knows your thoughts except you. And I think sometimes we see God as this like far off God, this distant God, this God that like things happen, it's confusing and you can't get answers out of this God. And he says, no, that's not the intention of God. God, he says, no, no, that's not what I want for you. No, in fact, I want to give, this, give you my spirit so that you know my thoughts and you know my intentions and you know my character to dwell and live in you. He says, man, I want you to have my Holy Spirit that we may understand and be understood. As a believer, this is a big thing for you. That the Holy Spirit lives in you. That the Spirit of God lives in you. Middle schoolers, come on. I need you to hear this. Because you're like, what does this even mean? Man, this means everything for you. And high schoolers, this means everything for you when you begin to start saying, God, where do you want me to go for college? God, who do you want me to date? God, what do you want me to do? Where should I work? God, would you provide a place? God, how do I handle my schedule? What do I do with my grades? He says, man, I put my spirit in you that you may know my intentions and my plans for you. That we would know what God has given us. That we would know what God is doing and that we would know what God has planned for us. And then he says right there in verse 13, he says that we would speak these things, not, not freely give, or we speak these things in words taught by human wisdom, not taught by human wisdom, but those taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual things to spiritual people. Here's who spiritual people are. You're like, I think I know my grandma's kind of a spiritual person. No, no, that's not what a spiritual person is. A spiritual person is anyone who has the Holy Spirit living in them. <clears throat> and here's, here's what he's saying. He's saying, you've been given a wisdom from God. 
When the Holy Spirit came in you, you've been given a fresh conviction. You've been given a conviction that you know the things that you used to do aren't super pleasing to the Lord. That you know the things that you used to do aren't the things that God is calling you to do anymore. And it's that conviction inside of you that says, no, I'm calling you in a different direction. You know that, that spiritual conviction that says, no, I'm going to church. I want to be at church. I need to be at church. I, I don't know why. I just know I need to be there. Like what I get from that place is good for my soul that I need to worship. I want to worship. It's that thing at night that says, hey, read your Bible. And you're like, man, well, okay, I'm going to read my Bible. And you find yourself reading your Bible, even when you didn't plan on reading your Bible. I believe that's the Holy Spirit working in you saying, hey, I'm calling you to walk in the Spirit. And then here's the thing. If you were to come and share with me, man, here's what Jesus did, and here's what I'm not doing, I'd be like, I get it. I get that conviction. I understand why, because I have the Holy Spirit living in me. But if you were to go to your friends at school who don't know anything about Jesus, and you're like, guys, man, God has saved me. Like, I am, I am walking in a new way. They're going to be super confused. And they'll be like, what is wrong with this guy? They're going to not understand you. It says, but among believers, when the Holy Spirit is in you, we've been given a new level of understanding among one another. That the Holy Spirit in us is causing us, should be unifying us, and causing us to walk in the same way and in the same direction. And as we talk about what God is doing, because of what Jesus has done and how things are changing, it says that we can share with each other and be understood. He says, but the person, verse, verse 14, but the person without the Spirit does not receive what comes from God's Spirit because it's foolishness to him. He's not able to understand it since it is evaluated spiritually. But the spiritual person, however, can evaluate everything, and yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, once you were unsaved, once you didn't know Jesus, but you know what it's like. You know what it's like as a Christian. You know what it's like as a believer to not know Jesus. And you know what it's like to come to know Jesus. You know what it's like to struggle with temptation, but yet to walk in the grace and in the mercy of Jesus. That they can't understand that. That they can't understand the power of Jesus working in you. They can't understand why you're different. They can't understand why your life has changed. In verse 16, he says, For who has known the Lord's mind? Listen, that he may instruct him. But we, we, those who have placed their faith in Christ, he says, But we, have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. This is what the mind of Christ means. The mind of Christ, it means to look at life from Jesus' point of view. It means to think God's thoughts. To think God's thoughts and not the world's. 
Like, just, just take a step back for a second. Just, like, evaluate your relationship. Like, the closest relationship, maybe it's a boyfriend-girlfriend, maybe it's a friendship, maybe it's a mom or dad, your closest relationship. And just have the mind of Christ is to look at that relationship and say, no, I want to evaluate it from the way Jesus would. I want to treat it the way Jesus would. I want to walk in it the way Jesus would. I want to honor this person the way Jesus would honor this person. I want to love them the way Jesus would love them. That's what it means for you to have the mind of Christ. And with the Holy Spirit in us, day by day is working to transform our hearts and our minds so that we have the mind and the heart of Christ. So that we would view this world as Christ views it. So that we view our situations as God views it. And as a believer, I just want to clarify for you what this looks like. As a believer, someone who's placed their faith in Jesus, God's word says that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. What that means, that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, meaning that the Spirit of God enters you and it does not leave you. That it enters you and you rebel against God and you sin and you go back to your old ways and you're arrogant and you're shameful and you're prideful and the Spirit of God does not not abandon you. It says, but He has sealed you with the promise of the Holy Spirit that you are His forever. He does not let you go. He may let you wander, but He will bring you back. He does not let you go. You are His no matter what you've done. You did nothing to make him love you more to save you. And so you could do nothing to lose his love for you. And he loves you that much. He says, and you have the Holy Spirit in you, his spirit in you, that you would understand God's plan for you. That God has not hidden himself from us. But in fact, he's trying, or not trying to leave you confused, but he's saying, hey, I want you to know me. I want you to walk in me. I want you to experience life in me. I'm going to ask you to bow your head, close your eyes. As we like wrap up. See, the reality is there's going to be times in our life where we choose things other than God. I've been reading in the book of Exodus. If you don't know what that's about, it's about God choosing some people for himself. And there comes this time where he's creating these priests and, and he's like consecrating them and, and, and they're finding a way to like come and be in the presence of God. Like the coolest thing. Like can you imagine if you like walked out of here and you knew right where you could go to like really like step into God's deep presence. Like man, just you and God. Like would you not just run to that place? Some of you are like, that sounds terrifying. But it'd be a place full of grace and full of mercy and joy and hope. And what happens in Exodus, every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to listen. What happens in Exodus is that Moses is going to to get some things from God and he takes too long. And the people say, he's taking too long. Has God failed us? God's taking too long. Has he failed us? And And so they say, let's make our own gods. Let's make our own gods. Let's make something to substitute. And it hit me, man, that is what we do when God doesn't meet our timeline. We go and we do our own thing. And that we run from God. But yet, when that happens, it doesn't say God then turns and runs from us. But what we find in Scripture and what you'll find in your life is that God pursues you even when you run from Him. That we have a Father in Heaven who deeply loves you. 
who gave us his son to redeem and pay for your sin. And he has given us his spirit that we would understand scripture, that we would understand his word, that we would understand his will, that you would rest assured that you know God and you know his love for you and you would learn to listen to it and follow it. And that in your presence of the Lord, you would be changed by it. And so I just wonder, is there anyone in here who maybe you've been here for the last few weeks that you just say, man, I don't know, I don't have that relationship with God. That I've never had that moment where I said, God, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And right now, what that means for you is that there's sin in your life that is separating you from being in the presence of God, from experiencing all that I've just talked about. That I believe that there are some in here that may have never made that decision. And you know, man, in my heart of hearts, there is stuff separating me from God. Well, here's the good news that all it takes is you humbly coming before God, saying, God, I recognize my sin separates me from you. And I recognize that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again, taking my sin that I may have life in me. And so I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. If there's anyone in here who, who tonight you say, I want to know Jesus personally. I want to have that relationship with God personally. I want to have God as my Father in heaven and know him. I want his Holy Spirit in me. I want to have that personally. In the moment, right now, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. If that's you, I'm just going to ask you to throw a hand up. Raise them high. Don't be ashamed. Okay, I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to go to our community group. God, I love you. God, we thank you for giving us your spirit that would live in us, that we would know your plans, that we would know your purposes. God, that we would walk with you close, not far away. God, your word says that your spirit indwells us even when we don't feel it. Even when we don't believe it sometimes, God, you are near. God, would you help us to understand that? God, would we get, uh, would you move in our lives that we would come uh, accustomed to hearing the voice of the Spirit in us? That we would pay attention and be obedient to you. Will we find blessing in that, God? Will we find new life in that? God, would you bless the conversation as we walk together, as we talk together? Lord, as we continue to explore who you are. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.